Hello and welcome back to Talking Toilets, episode two, a personal toilet. I'm still quite amazed that we're doing this and actually releasing them. I just wanted to say thank you very much on behalf of Will and I to everyone who's liked, listened, subscribed, commented, everything on all our socials and all our platforms. We're really, really grateful uh, for you doing that and we hope that if anything, it's just going to take you through whatever place you're in during this uh this weird time and we are looking forward so much to releasing our um our previously recorded uh before this all happened episodes with some guests in it they're really good fun and they are coming so uh do bear with um yeah so i hope you enjoyed this episode to all new listeners please jump onto our socials and give us a like give us a comment share us if you if you'd be so lovely uh we are at talking toilets underscore on insta and twitter we're at talking tea podcast on facebook and you can email us at talking toilets podcast at gmail.com if you've got something a bit longer or you want to send us money uh thank you all very much and i hope you enjoy this episode enjoy keep flushing talking toilets with alex hope and William Smith. Hello and welcome to Talking Toilets Goes Into Lockdown for the second week. Woo! Uh, my name's William Smith. I'm currently based in Tufnell Park. Still. And yeah, still in Tufnell Park. And slightly further north is... Me, Alex Hope, in East Finchley still. Still in East Finchley. Still here. On this podcast, we discuss all things toilets. It's quite difficult at the current time to discuss toilets we're using, as really we should be using the same toilets consistently. Alex out on the road might use several toilets, although a lot of them are shut down. So yeah, this week we're going to discuss previous toilets we've used, toilets that we've, you know, that we've lived with and grown to love or hate. And then we'll do toilet news, bang in the middle. Absolutely. Have you had anything interesting happen to you toilet-wise out on the road or...? This week, um, yeah. I've been trying to branch out of (laughs) the sort of um, -of run-of-the-mill service station toilet. It's still the case that people won't let you piss or shit in their warehouses um, when you're delivering to them which is fair enough Um, but service stations still are kind of my normal go-to they're usually quite eerie they're usually quite sparse interestingly what happened to me this week was I decided to go for a pee at the side of the road which I generally don't do the only place that you're kind of advised to piss is a parking bay. I don't think you're ever advised to piss in public, are you? That's a good point. I think it's illegal to do it on private or public property. Everything's private or public. I think that leaves common ground, doesn't it? Isn't common ground the one thing that isn't owned? Fine. So did you piss in public or countryside? I would say it would probably be common ground because it was on the outskirts of a field next to an A-road on a parking bay, but like off off road of the parking bay in the in the bush that's the end of my interrogation on the matter thank you finally <laughs> i feel relieved the reason i say it's of no is because the fields when i urinate that feeling of taking a step back from the, the mentalness seems, and craziness. seems very freeing I think, oh yeah idea cock out 
yeah. just looking over the field and yeah. uh, and relieving yourself. And yeah, maybe 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 I got something from it. I don't quite know what it is. Well, I don't know. There's something where like the polar opposite of the stress of needing to pee and there not being a toilet is being in the middle of a field, nothing but nature. Mm. There's this you know tranquility and privacy, despite being in an area which you would seem very public. Yeah. I think it's lovely. It's the complete opposite of my experience this week, um, which has been, you know, so like all the public toilets are closed. I completely understand that. That's absolutely correct. It's what how it should be. Apparently Brighton just closed theirs. Oh, really? Yeah, last week. The ones on Hampstead Heath by Parliament Hill are currently going under renovation, which I think I mentioned in the last episode, which is a good time for them to go under renovation. But we're obviously now we're, we're doing our, you know, we're allowed out once a day to go do our exercise, which is very important. And I'm one of those suckers that have got into running today i went out and you know started my run and i'd run further than i'd run for in years i think you know which is only a pathetic five kilometers but during my run i you know naturally felt the need to pee i was drinking a lot of water it was incredibly sunny and Hampstead Heath is kind of booming with people there's just people everywhere the, the in fact the only place where there weren't many people was the running track and the running track is also a place where you've only got people that are running it's very easy because you've got lines on the floor to give yourself that two meter distance it's so like being at tesco basically for anyone yeah, born you, in the yeah. last five years a running track is like going to tesco it's like going to tesco you've got you, you can see in front you can see behind you've got good spatial awareness and everybody that's on the running track is there to do the same thing that you're doing and will respond you for doing it obviously an entire Hampstead Heath filled with people people lounging around listening to music in groups what do the police do they come onto the running and kick us all off even though we're actually <laughs> we're actually doing the only thing that we're meant to be doing and I understand that you know this is a contained track which says it's closed with a fence about as high as your knee so you can just walk over it this isn't the reason that they uh they kicked you off because this isn't your toilet story is it you didn't do a, po- <laughs> no. you didn't do a Paula Radcliffe on us did you will no I was kind of setting up the idea that you know Hampstead Heath was filled with people there were yeah. A lot of people around and i had decided to go on the running track even though i wasn't meant to to avoid all the people i'm then kicked off it along with 10 other runners onto the main yeah so there are more people in hampton <laughs> now because there are less people there are less people on the running track anyway so i'm running around and i'm like i need to pee i'm running up the hill to get to the top of parliament hill field or whatever so you can have that lovely view as my heart rate goes down the you know the need to pee intensifies and i suddenly kind of realize i'm surrounded surrounded by people still and i know that the public toilet is anyway my mission is to try to find a nice calm relaxing place where i can pee very similar to what you did and on a normal walk on a normal before corona day this would be very easy to do pre-runs but for some reason it was impossible i went so i finally found this really nice i'm you know running down yeah, because obviously I'm still running because I'm trying to get home as fast as I can if I can't find anywhere to pee. Um, I'm running down this track and then I suddenly see this kind of, you know, group of trees with, you know, not a clear path. So I walk in there and then suddenly I see a football and I'm like, oh, cool, somebody's left a football here. No, they haven't left a football here. It's two kids playing football in this little kind of enclosed area, probably hiding from the police. Right. I then, okay, fine, great. So I then leave that area and I then run to the other side of Hampstead Heath in search of somewhere to pee. So my question to you is, you've done... Yeah. How long on the running track before you were kicked off? Today, like three, three, two and a half kilometres. Three kilometres, which is probably around the same sort of distance that the park is, like from top to bottom, around about. Yeah, maybe, yeah. About two miles. So then 
when you were searching to go to the toilet, you said you went yeah. from one side of the heath to another, which is about did, yeah. a mile and a half. Correct. So yeah. just looking for the toilet, you were traveling around the entire heath. Correct. Keep 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 going. Let me let me find out how long it took you. There's a side of the heath which is kind of nearer the ponds, kind of high gate entrance. There's a few benches, and then it goes off into what is forest, you know, is kind of like uncharted territory. So this was the area that I then started to, you know, think, you know, 100%, this is where I can pee. So I go into this area, I go past all the benches, and I go in, you know, to what you would imagine would be a haven of pissing possibilities. And I discover a very nice book club, which was lovely. Oh, lovely. Illegal, but yeah, lovely. What I kind of decided was that I, my need and urgency for peeing was... Outweighed great works of literature. Precisely. So who got it in the neck? Was it Jules Verne? No, I just walked, I walked around the book club and kind of went into a corner behind a tree where I very clearly pissed and then unashamedly walked back round and wished them all a good day um, and then continued on my run. But yeah, the walking and running period of trying to find a place to relieve my need for peeing was probably greater. The distance of that was probably greater than that of my Than what you'd run. done on the track. So it was extensive. But I mean, it's good exercise. I count every single movement I make as exercise. <laughs> <laughs> this is the section where we do toilet news where we talk about what's new with toilets out there in the world magic toilet could monitor users health says researchers so i mean this is awesome a smart toilet boasting pressure sensors artificial intelligence and a camera has been unveiled by researchers who say it could provide a valuable way to keep tabs on our health it's phenomenal i mean they've created a toilet which they hope will eventually become a daily clinic helping in the prevention and early detection of problems from diabetes to urinary tract infections and inflammatory bowel disease my favorite thing about this entire article is the concept Concept of anal prints. Mm. Did you uh, did you see that bit? The fact I did that, see that bit because if you and I are both using the same toilet, it's unnecessary for it to kind of combine both of our data because you know we both have very different pooing diaries. Exactly, diaries, entries, and diets in a way. Yeah, and the fact that our our souls both have an anal print, hmm. so, you know, similar to a fingerprint. So it can immediately identify and collect data for each of us instead of collectively. Just for clarity, we're talking about the print of what comes out of the arsehole, not necessarily what our arsehole looks like. No, we're look, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what the arsehole looks like. Be good for clarification in that instance. So let me read the article. But then how are you meant to get a print of your arsehole? So, perhaps most inventively, the team reports that the system detects who is using the toilet from a fingerprint scanner on the flush handle and, ah. and, and anal prints, distinctive creases in the lining of the anus captured by video frames. Okay, cool. Didn't get that. So it links up your fingerprint from the flusher to anal creases <laughs> on your anus. To know who it is they're compiling the data from. <laughs> I've got an image in my head of like a like mid nineties or like mid noughties spy thriller with kids in it, like spy <laughs> kids. And you know at the bit where they're kind of introducing the bad guy. It's a it's a classic uh, trope of, of uh, spy films in that they have to like show the worst villain on a screen 
uh, by their fingerprint and all their stats and stuff. And I'm just imagining it kind of in a, a minority report way, sort of flashing up in some front of someone's face. But instead of just the picture of them in a mugshot, it's them and then their arsehole and then their fingerprint. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like there is so much you can get from analysing our poo in the set. Like, so it says here they, they also hope to expand the range of tests to screen for illicit drug use sexual transmitted infections and the makeup of microbes in the gut which means that the long-term development of a toilet such as this means that you could you could hunt down people that are using a lot of illicit drugs you could yeah you could fi- you could find out if your partner's cheated on you or whether you know who gave you that tr- sexual transmitted infection i i think it's excellent i definitely think i didn't take form- you to chimichanga there is yeah exactly there's <laughs> definitely some form of crime thriller waiting to happen based yes. around a toilet the, yeah the investigating of a toilet the smart toilet a smart toilet i think it's brilliant and you know one obviously it's an excellent idea to have something consistently monitoring and you know seeing how healthy you are by what comes out of you if there are sudden spikes and you know dips and that's just you having a night out or you eating unhealthily but if it's consistent there's a part of this article uh, it talks about the bristol stool chart yeah, I love the Bristol stools because it just looks like something someone's made up for some people who aren't able to describe what their poo's what like. What their poo looks like, yeah, exactly. Someone who doesn't know the difference between a solid, a liquid, and a gas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I consistently, yeah. I'd say throughout... So today, I've definitely had type 1, type 2, type 3. I woke up to I type I was going to say this. Well, I don't. I definitely. I haven't yet had a five, a six, or a seven. Okay, so that I. W- what would you say would be more worrying? Because you can always rehydrate yourself. The fact that your poos look like Nesquik, that isn't so worrying to me because it feels like that's an indication I should drink some more water, and I'll have it at that. Maybe it won't make it itself all the way down through the thirty-five feet of my intestinal tract, but at the same time, you know. Uh, that's a very easy fix. Whereas we get to five, six, and seven, especially <laughs> seven, it, it, that is something that you can't fix because it's back in the past. You've eaten the wrong like format of food. You've ingested too much spicy food when usually you're a mild sort of, you know, a mild spice at best. Or you've, you know, you've just neglected vegetables. When I read the article, it's the first time I'd heard of the Bristol... Uh, stool scale. First really? I've ever heard of it. Yeah, do you heard of that before? I had, and I, I sort of thought that it might be something to do with um, the Glasgow scale, which is how to tell if someone's dead or in a coma, um, <laughs> which is, it, it involves a, a collection of like nips and pinches and slaps and, and shouting in someone's ear, uh, which is, the I think, the earliest stage. If you can shout at someone and revive them, uh, that's, <laughs> that's a very yeah. sort of Victorian way of doing medicine. I remember I was working. I was working uh, in a restaurant in Islington, and I banged my head. Um, and I was, you know, I continued to work. I banged my head pretty hard carrying down stock, you know, bottles of water and things downstairs. And I then, you know, was going around doing my job. I was looking. I was the only waiter on because it was daytime. It was reasonably busy, but enough for me to cope with. Mm. And I remember looking at the screen, and the screen kind of started to blur, and like I was seeing two screens, but not. To like a terrible extent, but there were definitely two screens. And I, I went over and I said to my boss, I was like, I feel, I feel a bit funny. And they were like, well, you, you know, you, you'd be fine. Just keep going. And I'm like, okay, cool. Of course. So I kept going and I went up to a table and I was like, right, uh, is there anything I can get you to drink? And they all looked at me and they were like, we about 
we have already given you our drink order about, <laughs> about, about 20 minutes ago. And I was like, oh, okay. Very Basil Faulty, that sounds like. <laughs> I was like, no problem. Um, let me, I, I think I'm just, yeah, this isn't your fault. Um, but I'm Oh, you had to it. tell them that uh, that, oh, yeah, that wasn't yeah, their was fault, like, did you? I was like, it's not, it's not, I was like, it's not your, well, you know, in my head I'm going, right, I, I shouldn't be working. You weren't also um, speaking French at this point, were you? No, no, no. No, I just had blood coming out of my ears and nose. At the time. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I went to my boss and I said, you know, I, I think you're going to have to come upstairs and do some work. I'm, I'm going to have to go to A&E. So she was begrudgingly was like, okay, fine. You know, sent me on my way to A&E. I think I waited, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours in A&E for the doctor to then do some very fun tests where they clicked in my ears. Can you hear mm-hmm. that? Yes, I can. Yep. Can you feel this stuff on your cheek? Yes, I can. Can you feel your head? Yep. And can you follow my finger? Yes. And he went, right, okay. You're fine. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, just just go home. Maybe don't work. And I was like, how have I? Could the lady at reception not have done that test for me? The perfect time to uh, decide how the NHS is run is while you're a patient there. I assume, oh, yeah. as Boris Johnson most recently found out. I I I, uh, I hope at least. Yeah, Boris Johnson recently discovered yeah how amazing the NHS is, and that the you know the people that offered him such incredible you know duty of care were both immigrants. Yeah, yeah I think it was a Portuguese and a, someone from New Zealand. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, he needs to come back and start taking it seriously. But I just think he's incompetent to do his job. I, you know, I, you listen to things that he said in the past. And, um, yeah, this man should not be representing anybody, let alone a country. Well, the Times article that came out today was... Um, yeah, I read that. It was just realistic reading. It was realism. And um... Did you see the thing I shared? There's, um, he, it was in February that he came out saying he... You know, it was when the coronavirus, everybody was aware of it and countries were slowly kind of shutting down. And much like Italy, we were behind everybody going forward. Yeah. And he said, you know, when some countries economy shuts down there needs to be one shining light of economy that is not willing to back down he describes it as a clark kent economy taking off the glasses and the cape going and britain will be that economy going forward and staying strong didn't see this it's revolting because basically what he's saying is that despite the world health organizations um recommending that we go into lockdown Mm. and his response was no we're not going to shut down our economy we're going to be the only people thriving and we'll make money from it a kind of jacob rees mock um kind of outlook he was probably all also on one of his breaks because straight after i think this february the 12th so mid-february he was in he was somewhere in the countryside it wasn't checkers then i don't think but um, this was pre him announcing his engagement and his uh, uh, partner having uh, being pregnant. Um, but he went on three holidays at the start of this year. The first yeah. in the Caribbean, the second in the countryside, and the third in Chequers. And then he got ill. Well, was it you I was having the argument with? I was having an argument with somebody about the concept that a prime minister should not be allowed to go on holiday. Wasn't me. But I like that sentiment. It, well, it's the idea that if you've signed up to be the prime minister, so this is, you know, you're going to give up a certain part of your life. Um, yeah. Which is what we do when we work anyway. And it's not for an indefinite amount of time. It's very clearly for 10 years at most. But it's a huge responsibility which requires 
total decision making yeah. in almost every minute of every day and you can never switch off and it's also if you made that part of the the job by saying you know it's you're not allowed to go on holiday it is all consuming and there is definitely uh there is structure in place if ever you needed to have a break and there's also psychological mental and physical support there for you yeah but if if you presented the job like that people like boris johnson wouldn't be capable wouldn't be fit and wouldn't put themselves up for it well if it if it makes it any more indigestible a fact this is just off the top of my head from adam Kay's book but reading the diary of a junior doctor over the course of you know six seven years yeah i've read that yeah you you will never go on holiday even if you've got it booked because there will always be a staff shortage. There will always be an incapacity because of the middle management going on in the NHS. The consultant will be very, very reluctant to come in. Well, it sounds awful to compare um, being a prime minister to then working within the NHS to then the job that I do, which is just running um, a venue. Yeah. Um, I just run a pub bar. But, you know, I'm contracted for 48 hours. I'd never do that. I always do way more. If ever I'm not in the business, the owners or the boss or the operations manager will turn up and demand me be back in the business. I am always on call. If ever there's an issue, I'm always there. And if it was up to the people running it, I would wake up there and I'd fall asleep there because I'm the person most safe for that business to be running there's not mm. enough money to hire somebody to support me underneath so you know i feel that i um you know and i'm not allowed really to go on holiday use the holiday that i use um and i'm frowned upon for using it so as a result i feel that boris johnson the prime minister is not putting as much duty and care into his role of governing the country that i am just governing one small venue in kentish town it's pathetic isn't it it really is revolting it anyway, is. we should get back onto toilets. What toilet news do you have for us today, Alex? The second part of toilet news is what did people do before toilet paper? This is part of National Geographic's illuminating uh, expose of what we wipe our arses with. There are a few interesting implements, uh, basically a sponge with a stick on it. You, you hope the sponge is the end they're going to be using. Uh, this is in the <laughs> Roman times. Now, what confused me about the f this first implement is that I thought I knew enough about that era to know that this implement is probably most famous for feeding Jesus when he was on the cross uh, <laughs> with some wine, which makes you think maybe that his crucifixion was more torturous than it than it already sounds. It's interesting that it says these ancient devices consisted of a stick with a vinegar or salt water soaked sponge, which shows that even back then they had some understanding of sterilization and bathroom material <laughs> sponge uh other examples yeah ceramic vessels it said pesoi an ancient greek and roman toilet paper equivalent consisting of small oval or circular pebbles or pieces of broken ceramic which doesn't sound very conducive to a healthy bottom at all but maybe if it's really smooth it, it would these are all things we should not rule out until we've tried yeah that's very true but the the if you think about the idea of using rocks and ceramic wiping your ass which would create cuts and bruises and then going oh god no this isn't working for me and then moving on to the vinegar and salt <laughs> sponge yeah that's the wrong way around to do that isn't it yeah absolutely absolutely we've got we've got another stick and cloth um combination in china now, stick and cloth not a bad idea 
don't know why okay. then, why we have to use sticks. Maybe it's because <laughs> other people, other people, because you know King Henry VIII, you had that person whose job it was to to specifically wipe his ass. I think it might very have been good. Quite, I think it might might you know. I think he was a, quite well favoured, wasn't he? The, the king's the king's uh, arse wiper. Was he? Well, I suppose you'd have to be very you know you'd it. It's the king at his most vulnerable. You'd have to be very, very trusted, at least, to be able to perform that activity, if not reviled a little bit by your uh, peers. And I think with people like King Henry VIII, you'd have to have some form of level of secrecy, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. What's definitely. coming out of his arse would definitely be level seven on the, on the Bristol scale. <laughs> very nice reincorporation there. Um, I would say, yeah, de- definitely, uh, definitely eunuched. Uh, so that um, he poses no threat to the many women that uh, Henry has decided he wants. Uh, right, so here it says, uh, 1393, rice-based toilet paper was mass-produced for the Chinese imperial family, which sounds like the first time it was sort of mass-produced at all. And that was a whole almost 500 years before it was the Western world's idea which sounds pretty consistent with almost all Chinese inventions that end up in the Western world. I mean, the first thing that this article says, not to bring you back to this, Will, in a sort of upsetting way, but hundreds of millions of people around the world today, particularly in Middle East, the Middle East and Asia, don't bother with toilet paper, preferring instead to finish their bathroom visit with a clean rinse of water. No. Well that's just that's just not true. That's just absolutely not true. Bidets are not something that is consistent within European culture. Like don't get me wrong, it definitely exists there, but I think it's it comes from in England. Turkey's quite a big country, mate, and that's their go-to. And we've discussed that previously, the fact that Turkey not only has a thriving bidet industry inbuilt into the toilet, may I add, but they're also one of the top producers of toilet paper in the world. So they're making a, I Turkey? think, quite a savvy business decision. Yeah. Turkey are not one of the top toilet paper. It was, we found out it was the USA, then it was, was it China. Not? Yeah, no, yeah. it was the, it was the USA. definitely in the top the, 10. USA were the top, then China was the second, Canada closely followed, then it was Brazil, and then after that it was... And then after that, it was quite a lot of other countries, which clearly the proportion amount of toilet paper they were using dramatically dropped. Right, yes. So we've got, uh, yeah, number one, United States, number two, China, number three, Japan, Germany, uh, the Republic of South Korea, Brazil, Finland, Canada... Sweden, Italy. So Turkey okay. did not make it in the top 10. I stand corrected. Just to clarify, well, also I thought Canada was higher up. So that's... But um, they, that, that is a lucrative opportunity that Turkey should not, you know, turn down. Any country that predominantly <laughs> uses B-Days, they could basically build their superstate on the back of people wiping their arse, especially after this fucking crisis. That's all I'm I say. wonder whether or not somebody's going... Because, you know, after you use a B-Day, you then have to dry your arse. Mm, it depends what the climate you're in. You're joking. Do you just a lot of people wear the window? Well, a lot of people wear swim shorts walking around hot countries, don't they? At least what, so, as a British tourist, that's what I've encountered. Part, part of the cleaning is the drying of the arse. Not if you've, like, jet-washed it. And if you're suggesting you then use your pants or your swimsuit to then dry your arse having just taken a shit and used a beater. No, I'm saying a, natural evaporation. 
So you just walk around in the toilet waiting for your ass to naturally dry. And you sort of favour your, your backside to the sun for the next... And what happens when it's cool at night? I don't think you thought this through. I was just <laughs> suggesting that potentially there's an industry out there for post-B-Day wiping towels. That's a, a towel that's specifically designed... You know, it's like wood is something that's kind of naturally antibacterial because it's coarse, it's perforated, and then bacteria goes into it with the water. It dries very quickly. As a result, the bacteria or whatever's on there dries quickly. So creating something coarse, but it's also comfortable to dry your so ass with. Basically birch birch bark or just a hand dryer for your ass might be a better idea this is a good idea the bidet that dries you okay so this is the part of the podcast where we talk about a topic that is predetermined um, and this week the topic that we've chosen to talk about is toilets that we have been the either renter of or owner of in part. So yeah, owned or rented toilets. Toilets where yes. we have, which we have used having lived in that. Um, it's hard to just describe, actually. The, what's, um, what's the most notable one you've thought of? Well, it's not... It's, I, you always grow to love the toilets that are in your house because they're you know, places where you feel comfortable um, you make them how you want them to. You find solace, relaxation, meditation there. This has been the case in everywhere I've lived except for one toilet, which was when I was living in High Barnet. And it was all because of an evil, corrupt landlord who um, once, when I messaged saying, you know, there is this wrong, there's this wrong with the property, you know, there's it was snowing outside. As a result, it was snowing inside. There was snow in one of... It, it, there was a converted garage which was made into a bedroom. We woke up one day and there was snow in his room. Uh, freezing. Our pipes froze. We messaged our landlord being like, you know, you really need to do something about this. Um, you know, the living conditions that you're presenting that we're paying £2,200 a month for is, you know, almost uninhabitable. And her response was, well, your rent only just covers my mortgage. So if I do something about it, I won't be able to pay my mortgage. I respond being like, you know, you even mentioning your mortgage is information which is not relevant to me asking you to repair. So, you know, she was a crook. She was a nasty, nasty person. Horrible. But for example, horrible person. But, you know, it's a classic London landlord, isn't it? We we viewed the property in summer and it was beautiful. There were skylights in the kitchen. The, you had the kitchen and then you had this nice little back room, which was like a wet room. It's lovely. It was this, you know, wall tiled shower. It was wonderful. And then you had this lovely downstairs toilet it was nice the upstairs was a very kind of traditional toilet so there were two toilets uh, a bath upstairs and then this wet room downstairs it was a great kind of potential it had a lot of potential we so we viewed the property in summer excellent great you know high expectations uh, we arrive in winter and the building was not made to survive the elements uh, was it alone, made of aluminium or something let's like, well the, the kitchen the kitchen was an extension which was clearly done shoddily and at the end of the kitchen which is a weird place to put a wet room you know at the end of the kitchen we entered the property had been vacant for just over a month and you put your foot down on the tiles and you can feel water you can oh, see god water. like a paving um, slab that's kind of yeah, come loose Oh, that's awful. Um, so we call up the landlord. The agent that's showing us round sees it and she goes, oh, well, it wasn't like that when we... And I was like, what, when was the it's last condensation. time? It's condensation. Yeah, it's condensation. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> 
Um, so it, she, we managed to get a contractor around and the contractor looks at the, the shower wet room and is like, oh yeah, no, so whoever's built this has basically just built it on wood that's uh, done no form of treating. So you've got wood panels and then what they've done is then, then just put slabs over the wood panels, which is the tiles that you're walking on. So that moisture that's coming up is just rotting wood. Uh, so, so you can't use this shower. Which means no. that this this property we've just moved into, which has five bedrooms, which is uh, there's six of us living there, has just immediately on the first day we've lost one of the showers. Wow. Um, so so we then talked to the landlord. Sounds like, she, sounds like a bunker that's been like sort of built within the sort of decking of a ship. It was pathetic, and it also meant that it was freezing cold and there was no insulation, which meant that our kitchen was always freezing. Um, you know, we closed the door and we had to tape it up. Which then, so uh, we were given no compensation, no reduced rent. There was no. Basically, she said, we, "I can't afford to get it fixed, so I'm not going to get it fixed. You signed your contract. You're living there, and that's what that's the situation. There's nowhere in the contract that says you need to have a wet room shower in your kitchen." so therefore i'm not going to do anything about it just make sure you tape it up so we tape it up quite funny when we left when we left the property she included all of the mold and everything in that wet room as being taken off our deposit did you get that back yeah 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 we had it took two years we had to go through um an independent judicator fuck me and every toilet just because it was inequipped yeah there was no ventilation despite it saying in our contract there needed to be ventilation in all of our bathrooms you know there was yeah it was consistent issues i remember calling her up um and i just said you know i would really love to have a tour of your house because I can't imagine it's anywhere near the same standard that you're renting it out to us five. It was six of us, actually. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're living in a place where you've got a mould-ridden wet room right next to your kitchen, you've got these, you know, it was just, it was really horrible. And mm. she was a nasty, nasty person. Property was 13 St Albans Road. I would not recommend anybody living there. Fantastic. Do you want to name the uh, landlord or do you want to keep um, litigation free? I think, well, I mean, we we did end up going to small claims court and we got all of our money back. Um, Good. So... So the issue has ha- the the issue has kind of been and gone, but it doesn't take away the years that we lived there. True. Um, Probably all um, the uh, mould you've inhaled under awful circumstances. Yeah. This is a direct message to all landlords. We are the renter generation. It'd be really helpful if you uh, if you got the poisonous gas that the walls are creating in our flats to go. Mm. You're sincerely talking toilets podcast. The, right, so what what toilet have you um, had the the joy of living with in your life that you want to talk about today? So this one, um, it's two toilets. God damn it, Alex. <laughs> How do you do this? It's the same house. Don't worry. Okay, good. To be fair, I, I spoke about different rooms in one house. That's fine. This is, this is a very similar situation. Um, there was mould all over this house, but it was in small quantities. The most mould was actually in my... Uh, bedroom which was it's a it's a very charming house i've got nothing really bad to say about it because i was only there for a limited time um and i didn't spend very much time other than sleeping right next to the wall with the most mold uh which also sort of crept onto my bed sheets um eventually but that's i've got nothing bad to say about that it was fine i i um I, I think I smoked myself out of dying from mold poisoning yeah during that time yeah 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 i think so um so the toilets in in 133 Wyvern Road in uh, in Cates, which is in Cardiff, uh, when I was at drama school, this building had been through 
a bit of a uh, renovation. The toilets were an ex-toilet, basically. They were identical, but mirrored. So you would get up the staircase from the front door, which was like no hallway or anything. The front door was literally then, it was the road. You'd walk straight past my bedroom, straight up the stairs. You've got two identical toilets, but mirrored. On the left, we had the boys' toilet, and on the right, we had the girls' toilet, because it was two boys and two girls living in the house. In the boys' toilet, the shower curtain was, uh, it was from the Edinburgh Dungeon. I think a friend bought it for me uh, when I used to work there. And uh, it's like a white curtain with two red hand marks sort of dripping blood down it, which is just amazing. I loved it. Love it. I don't know what happened to it. I think we binned it, obviously, because it was minging. Um, but um, it had a little uh, a sink with a with a little cabinet above the sink with just, just guy stuff in it, just guy stuff around the toilet. And then the other toilet, um, their uh, shower curtain was a Facebook page with a sort of um, a perspex bit that you could look through. Which you could put your face in. <laughs> I love novelty shit. I'm quite bad when it comes to kit shit. And I never I never walked into that uh, bathroom, obviously, while someone was showering because it's two girls that I don't really know very well and would have been quite weird. But I kind of regret not at least seeing someone stand in the, toil- uh, stand in the bath and just have their face there while they were showering. <laughs> Um, but when it came to when it came to uh, parties, we'd put uh, like an A4 sheet of papers and boys and girls on the side, and it worked fucking wow. well. And it's kind of the best party toilet setup that I've ever had. Like we hosted, I think we hosted three big parties over the course of being at um, Royal Wash. We lived there for two years. It was it, yeah, it was great. It, I, I I had many a gorgeous sing song in that toilet um, while showering. We often uh, found ourselves cleaning our teeth at the same time. So we'd meet in the hallway at the mouth of the door and sort of have a little uh, conversation. Just a very social arrangement and possibly... It sounds perfect for a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Pooing you, pooing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really. yeah. But it was, it, uh, it was possibly the most uh, comfortable I felt sort of in very close proximity to another toilet. At the end of the last podcast, um, we did something which I thought was quite nice, which is where we... Something we hoped for the future. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah, true. No, we did. And I thought that was a nice way in this kind of world of uncertainty just to kind of end on a bit of hope. Yeah. I think for me, the, the especially with me running in Hampstead Heath and not having a toilet and understanding how valuable that is. Yeah. I kind of hope that as well as recognising nurses and things like that, recognising even simple jobs as like toilet attendants. Yeah. Kind of, kind of giving people like that slightly more respect, whether or not that's a financial nod or just a kind of more glamorising what their role is. The only thing, the only thing with that, and I'll say this just, just in a sort of socially, like, sort of historical sense... We need to be careful that we don't... Yes, we glamorise it, but maybe we don't sort of ostracise those people by doing so. If you have a toilet attendant, maybe let's definitely not have a uniform. Let's definitely not have a way that we sort of recognise that person is maybe of a different cast because they're wearing different sorts of clothes or they're performing different sorts of roles. Something I understand that- what you're saying. I don't massively know if I agree with it. I feel that... The way I would like to see the structure of these kind of jobs change 
would mm. be a public understanding of the importance of being bacterially and virally you know, vulnerable in a sanitised environment, meaning that if I am running uh, to go to the Victoria toilets and there's a sign outside saying closed for half an hour for cleaning, I don't go, oh, God, this is awful. Why can't they clean while I'm in there? Because at the moment, you have this poor person kind of cleaning each toilet as you go in and out. You have somebody kind of mopping the floors with a wet floor sign down while yeah. people are kind of pissing. Yeah. There's no care. There's no kind of love of the job. This person isn't getting any respect. It's literally that person is invisible to us. As If anything, they're a nuisance if they're trying to do their job while we're trying to do the act of what we're there for. So even some kind of structural understanding of going, you know, this is a human being who is paid to do a certain job and we're very happy for that person to do that. So let's give them the time and the air around that per- and the respect around it to be able yeah. to do that job properly. And just even small changes like that, I think, would be um, beneficial in the long term, um, not just for us as the users, but for the employees. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. I'd say having read what I've read today from, you know, the, the report that was in the Times, I, I, I am so aware that the, the, the governments that we vote for, they aren't a fair representation of the people that live in the country. At least they're not becoming it after a vote happens. There needs to be some sort of way that we can change the, the system Many people think it's voting change or voting sort of, you know, new voting systems in place. But it is it is more than that. It's the way we litigate and it's the way that we process people's litigation. Well, at the moment, I feel people are voting for fear. They vote for, oh, and they, they vote for the fear that they're sold. So whether or not they're sold the fear of immigration being the, the, the issue, which was what Boris Johnson's rhetoric was all about, you know, him saying that it's the immigrants that are putting on the strain economically on the NHS, which we all know is just complete bullshit. It's all lies. But for some reason, he was able to sell that and it won. Uh, God knows how. But it's because of the way they sold the fear and people were afraid of it. Therefore, they voted for it. They also managed to somehow target the, the lower class by saying, you know, the fear of the money that you can't see being spent. It's very dangerous. And instead of us voting for fear, we should be voting for hope and voting for want. And I almost don't feel the need for political parties, but then I'm a you know a, a, a left-wing wanky socialist where I just feel we should all be looking after each other to the best outcome. We should all Well, care. our political parties haven't really been doing <laughs> the best recently, have they? Not so, at all. Uh, yeah, so it's easy to see why you would why you would be Dis- disenchanted, at least. Well, thank you for listening out there. Thank you very much. We know that this is a bit of rough and ready remote recording, so apologies if there's any kind of uh, quality issues you're experiencing. And if you have enjoyed us, please give us a like, give us a follow, show us some appreciation, or if you have any feedback, please let us know. Look up Talking Toilets podcast and let us know how you think. Any direct inquiries, if you want to pay us any money, uh, get in contact with us discreetly at talkingtoiletspodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, and, uh, of course, if nobody does want to pay us any money, that's fine as well. Just please spread the news somehow. Tell anyone you know that talking about toilets is good for the soul. Right. And, um, as always, keep flushing. Keep flushing. <laughs>